Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. And once again, I'm Martin, and I'm losing my voice right away because I'm so excited. The electricity is in the air, Brett. And That's right, it a, sure a fantastic is. Guest. Oh, I am truly excited. I mean, we this is this is a band that we have been listening to for, oh gosh, over 30 years now. And uh, super excited to have the bassist for Skid Row on, Rachel Boland. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Well, we are awesome. I mean, we're talking to you, so how how can we not be awesome? <laughs> so you've got the new album coming out, The Gang's All Here on October 14th. Uh, the early songs have been amazing. So, and I mean, from what I can see, the response has been like over the top. So why don't you tell us about The Gang's All Here? Man, uh, yeah, the response has been very positive and, and uh, we've been playing two out of the three singles. Uh, we're going to be playing three starting this weekend uh, in our live set. And the response has just been tremendous. Um, this album has been a long time in the making, as our albums usually are. But so much happened during the making of it. We recorded it once and decided we needed more songs um a pandemic hit <laughs> oh that <laughs> yeah remember that little thing so and then we uh we changed record labels we changed management and you know just managed to during all this write a bunch of songs and then while recording we changed lead vocalists so it uh it, it's been a, a um quite the project to say the least but the the results are something that all five of us are just absolutely proud about and um we're very psyched it's, it's getting down to the wire man a few more days and it is out and we cannot wait <laughs> well you know why don't you tell us about like the impact that eric has had on the band he has uh when, when eric joined the band i mean a little bit of backstory he he uh, he's from sweden and he was in a band heat and that's where uh, we actually kind of met him. They were on tour with Skid Row. Um, I want to say 2019. I'm not sure. But um, and we thought he was phenomenal. We thought he was a really good singer. And then uh, fast forward to now. And, and, you know, he his he won Sweden Idol. His audition song for Sweden Idol was 18 in life. Um, he grew up listening to us. We were, we were one of his favorite bands and the impact that he had on us is, is amazing. It's just like he, he brought a, a fire into this band and, and just his, his way of thinking and his work ethic and, and just his love of music is exactly on point with, how the four of us are you know we all love music and we all have our favorite bands but we're just we listen to everything and that's the way eric is and it just there couldn't have been a better fit for skid row like honestly and i, I tell a lot of people we were just waiting for him to graduate high school so. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he has had a huge impact and a huge effect on all, all the four of us as well as the people that watch us every night you know and I think everyone is gonna gonna really love what we've done on this record. Yeah, I mean the the songs so far have been truly amazing, and and they, they sound like what I want Skid Row to sound like, but uh, but also what I think you guys want Skid Row to sound like. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. I mean that a lot of that um, was 
help from Nick Rescue Linux, our producer, because he grew up a fan. Um, he's not much younger than me, but he he was a fan as a teen, and and um, he wanted to hear Skid Row the way he remembered it. And we, you know, we brought him songs, and he's like, "I like it. I really like this, or I hate this song, or that doesn't sound like Skid Row. This one sucks. I love that part." You know, he's he's an old school producer, like roll up his sleeves and and really get invested in the project and he helped us uh, retrace our steps, which isn't as easy as it sounds, you know, like we're almost 40 years into a career and you just kind of wander off, you know, not that it's bad or, or good or whatever, but you just, your past kind of becomes just your past. And he helped us focus on the band and the songwriters that we were in the beginning. And his, his definitive Skid Row record is our debut. Um, and I think with his help, we've, we've achieved a Skid Row record that kind of bridges the gap of the debut and Slave to the Grind. And I mean, I couldn't be more proud of it. And I, 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 you know, we all take a lot of pride in what we do. And with Nick's help, we were able to create something really special. Interesting, because I, I think a lot of bands have trouble both satisfying their core fan base while moving forward. But Skid Row is a band that has never had trouble moving forward. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and sometimes we try too hard to move forward. I think a lot of bands do. But um, I can guarantee this. We have a completely different outlook on the band we're supposed to be. Because, yeah, we do want to satisfy our fans. But we also want to... Uh, advance ourselves as musicians or songwriters and, and whatnot, but it's a really, really delicate balance, you know, cause you want your fans to love what you do. And um, so far with the evidence that I see, everyone's really digging it and everything's really positive and, and um, people are, are very genuinely excited for this record to come out. Well, the thing that really grabbed me about the songs that you've released so far is the energy behind them. Uh, they they come at you, they they come at you. They're songs that come at you that you feel through your body. Yeah, th thank you for saying that. I mean, we uh, and and that's I get I guess that that's mission accomplished. You know, because the bands that I loved growing up felt like it was just like kidnapping my soul. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's, I think that's what music is supposed to do to, to, for that three and a half or four minutes, you're supposed to be in another place. And, and, you know, when Eric came in, he just immediately just because most of the, all the stuff was written before Eric was here. Um, so when, when you, it's one thing when you write and, the the vocalist is in the band with you for a while and it's a different thing when a guy just comes in and is able to just auto, like get into the lyrics own them and get across what he's trying to say and what the songwriters are trying to say and eric did it and he he brought a new excitement to the band well, and I and I saw too that um, that he recorded all his parts in Sweden and wasn't even, you know, kind of in the same studio in that case. So, I mean, tell tell us about that because that seems like it would present some challenges in and of itself. 
Yeah, that's the whole thing. Uh, he yeah, he did eight songs at his home in Sweden, and we were just like, okay, what what's this going to be like? And and we would talk about it, and he would ask questions about the song. He goes, "Here's what the lyrics, what I feel the lyrics mean," and I'm like, uh, and Snake as well is just like, "Hey, sing as you." feel the lyrics and sing as you feel the music and be you, you know, the snake told him uh, a few times, he's like, just be you do your thing and send it back to us, you know? And uh, to be honest, we made minor adjustments to what he sent back because we all four of us, five of us with Nick, we were so blown away by each track that came back to us. It was like, okay, he, has this dude lived in our head for the past three or four years, you know? And, um, but it was really cool. And he did a really, really good job. And, and funny story is after he sang the last two songs um, in Vegas, when we were doing the residency with the Scorpions. And now this is the first couple of weeks we've known each other first week or two. We've actually known each other in person. And <laughs> so he finishes the two songs and him and I go to have a beer. And while we're waiting for, um, he turns to me, he goes, uh, no, I said to him, I go, dude, you, you really crushed these songs, man. I go, I couldn't be any happier with, with the uh, performance on all these. I go, you gotta be so proud of yourself. He's like, yeah, I am. He goes, but I gotta tell you something. I got a secret. And I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, I've never recorded my vocals before. <laughs> and I go, hold up, hold up. So you're saying you just never did them in your house. He goes, no, I've never recorded vocals before. I went out and got what Nick told me to get. I down, you know, I bought a recording program and then I watched how to do it on YouTube. Oh <laughs> 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 like, Oh my God. I'm so glad I didn't know this. <laughs> Otherwise I would have just been like, I would have had 15 heart attacks before the, the record was done. It was, yeah, it was crazy. And, but that's the kind of guy he is. He's like, Oh, you know, I, I think I'm going to learn how to, you know, tie knots like the Navy guys do or whatever, you know, learn how to play a harp. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that he goes and does it, you know, he's just one of those guys. And it, it was great. We had a really good laugh over that. After I stopped crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. You would have been on a flight to Sweden being like, Ooh, okay, yeah, dude, I'm not even joking. I would have been on a flight and I would have lived in Sweden for about two weeks. <laughs> You know, how, how important, I mean, obviously you've, you've gone through some lead singers. How important is it to find the right fit for you as a band? Um, it's the ultimate importance. Um, the fact that now, after all these years, you have five people that are like-minded and you have five people that have the same interest at heart and have the same goals, whether they're, they're, obtainable goals or just man someday we're going to do this and it's going to be big type of goals you know what i mean and it, that's really important and the fact that we all love music like just love music and love playing music and love creating music we are all you know uh we're just all on the same page and it's a really incredible feeling. And the fact that he does play guitar and piano and write songs. Now we have another creative person in the band, which is only going to 
make our you know make music better and, and make more of it and quicker it's not gonna be eight years between <laughs> records anymore you know it's got to be quicker i don't know how much damn time i got left <laughs> well, hopefully but, a long time hopefully yeah yeah we're, that, that's the goal so that's the goal. uh yeah so it, it's just it's really important to to all think alike and and all you know just being together from from uh from start to finish so the songwriting then, how has it kind of evolved through your uh, for the band from where it was when you started out to how you do it now? Well, you know, Snake and I do the bulk of it still. And that's kind of how Skid Row started. Snake and I got together just to write songs because he had his band and I had my band. Who I was, It was a band I had with Scotty Hill. And we uh, we just got together to write a couple songs. And the first song we ever wrote were like, is this good? Is this as good as I think it is? We're like, yeah, this is kind of cool. So we just kept writing and then eventually um, started Skid Row. So we do still write the bulk of it. But um, like I said, now Eric's in the band, we have five creative people instead of four creative people. And, and what we do, and I always say this, it's like, no matter who writes a song, say Scotty writes a song and brings in or Snake does, or I do whoever, or whatever, whoever teams up to write it's a song when it gets to rehearsal room, it's a skid row song when it leaves the rehearsal room, mm. you know what I'm saying? So it, it's, everyone is as equally important, no matter if they write the songs or not, you know, and we, uh, we've already started writing and this has never happened. We've never ever in our whole career have, not released the current album and started writing for the album after that. I know like musicians are, if they hear this, they're going to be like, that's what everybody does dude. But no, <laughs> that's not what Skid Row ever did. So it's just like, it's really cool to, because we, we just, we've been given this, this, you know, we're, it's like a rebirth of sorts now that Eric has joined the band and we it was the same way when Rob Hammersmith joined the band It elevated Scotty Snake and I as musicians and then Eric comes in and elevated the four of us. So now we're just like, man, let's not fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> so then why, why was there always such large gaps between albums? Good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't, you know, I could say that we don't live in the same state anymore. None of us even, I mean, now we live in different countries, but none of us live close to each other. Um, but I can't use that excuse because even when we all live 35 minutes from each other in New Jersey, it still took forever <laughs> to write a record. <laughs> you, know, you get the, you get those letters in the mail from before, you know, the internet <laughs> and then fax machines, you get those letters in the mail from the label giving you a deadline. And you're like, wow, we didn't even write note one of this record, yet, you know? <laughs> and I don't know why, I don't know why, but now it's like, I guess because everything is is just so positive and and everyone's feeling feeling so creative because of all the cool stuff that's happening for us. Uh, I guess it's just has completely changed the tone. How many songs uh, were there created for the album? Hmm. Well, let's see. There's ten on it. One. I, I would say about twenty. How do you pare them down? What's that process like? Well, basically, once Nick um, came into the picture, 
we just put all our trust in him and he 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 took on a very uh you know he took a producer is an important role to begin with but he took on the role of all right i know you guys have done this for a long 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 time but you have to trust me you have to trust uh, like what i feel from the songs you're showing me demos of and we did we did and and nick is one of those guys who he's completely honest and we love that and we needed that we needed someone to say you know what it's okay or that song sucks don't ever play that for me again you know <laughs> that type of shit or yes i love this song let's get in there let's get you guys in there and we'll mess around with it um and we we most of the songs we took apart like uh, the ones that made the record i would say there's only probably one that Oh, so I'm sorry about two songs that are almost exactly how we wrote them. Um, six of them were deconstructed and, and put back together. And two of them were written by the urging of Nick wanted us to write more songs. And he goes, I, I don't want you guys to sit in a room with an acoustic guitar. I want you guys to get in a rehearsal situation and go through your riffs, playing them live playing them to each other not on a not on a you know not an mp3 i want you to play on your bass or your guitar or whatever you sing this melody i want that to happen in a rehearsal room i'll be there later today <laughs> and that's it or later i'll be there tomorrow and that's what we did and so so not dead yet and world on fire were written at rehearsal and that's the first time we ever did that in this band ever we never, ever wrote like the whole band in a room and it worked out good. It worked out really well. You know, um, Snake had a riff. Uh, I, I, I came in with a riff for Not Dead Yet and it turned into that song. And we have a song called World on Fire that Snake had a riff and it turned into that song. And those, those were and then Nick came and he's like, OK, let's just adjust this here and try this here and here. And that that's how they went to uh, went to tape. And um do you say went to tape anymore? Or do you say went to hard drive? <laughs> and that's I, I think went, went to, hard to tape drive. sounds cooler. It know? sounds way cooler, right? So, uh, and that's the first time we ever did anything like that. So it was it was quite an experience. And of course, you've done your own producing for other mm -hmm. bands and you've, uh, you've worked with some of the great producers. What have you learned about producing over the years? Um, a lot, actually. And everyone has a different way of doing things, which is really cool. I mean, my first mentor was Michael Wagner. And I, uh, I just did demos with before just for my own bands before Skid Row, or even the early demos with Skid Row. And it was the engineer, there was really no producing, you know, so to speak. But when we did our first record, I just absorbed everything from Michael and um uh, you know and i asked a lot of questions like why did you do that you know and i know sometimes i had to be getting on his friggin nerves but <laughs> I, I i would i would cool out and he'd be like you know what we're just gonna have the guitar players in the room today <laughs> and I was like, all right i get what you're saying but i learned so much from him and then i i i, I you know applied his methods to some of the bands i produced and, and, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, man, this could work, too. And 
every producer, well, just about every producer, I, I've learned what to do and what not to do. Um, you know, I wore, I, I uh, recorded with David Buttrell, who uh, on the Stone Sour record that I played on, and I learned a lot from him. And I was only with him for four days, four or five days. And I was like, I really like the way this works, that this worked for me. I'm going to try that next time. And then with Nick, just some of the stuff he did is so not by the books. And I'm just like, this is amazing. This is amazing. And it, and it got rid of ideas that I had, like I, I couldn't do it this way. And it really, you know, it's just like, there's no, there's, there's certain rules you have to follow. Like when you work a compressor, you know, or whatever, and I still can't figure out a compressor. It's like, the elect, you know, it's like the electric, electronic version of a g-spot i don't know it's just like how did it work this thing but anyway so i uh i uh, i uh just you might not want to put that is this live <laughs> it's, we're, we're we're fine okay cool so um yeah so you know and he would just uh, it, he had some unorthodox methods and i was like that's really cool that's really cool there really are no rules just like there's no rules to writing a song you know it's the same thing not only are we going to put that in there, it may just be the show title now. Oh, great. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> but you know, uh, how, how important then is it to, to have also the right producer? Because I, I know you've worked with a lot of great producers, but have they always been the right producer? Um, no, they haven't. Um, and having the right producer is, uh, is key especially when you have someone like Nick who um, who's just, he's so invested in it, you know, and, and someone like Michael Wagner who just wants, he, he wants that performance, you know, and they're not going to settle for anything less, you know? And so that, that's, that's very, sorry, my alarm for my next one's going off here. Um, but it, it's, it's extremely important to have the right producer because you have to gel with the band. And I'll tell you what, and Nick said this, and it's so true. Um, it, it's, it's about 40% producing is about 40% making sure the songs are okay. And it's about 60% being a psychologist for all the guys in the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very true. So that's crazy. You, you definitely need the right guy in place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you know, one of the things, I mean, especially when it comes down to working with Dave and Scotty and stuff like that, I want to know, A, like, just about, like, what it feels like to have that history. But I also want to know about somebody new coming in. Do you think it's daunting for them to join because of that history? Um, could be. I think it has been for a couple guys that have been in the band. Um, and Scotty actually... Uh, took snake and I aside. This is going a while back and took snake and I aside. Cause we could say anything to each other. You know, we, we, we've been around each other more than we've been around our own families. You know, and, yeah. and he's like, you know what? You two could be pretty intimidating if you don't know you well. So you might want to, you know, just kind of rephrase how you say stuff to people that just joined the band. And this, this is going back a while. And, my whole thing was like, man, I don't have any time for bullshit, <laughs> but I, I took it to heart. And, um, but here's the thing. When Eric joined the band, he, he's just confident. He's a confident guy, not in a really like 
you know, like stuck up, arrogant type of way. He's just really confident. And he knows like when he grabs that mic, he knows he's the baddest motherfucker in the room. You know what I mean? And when he goes on stage, he knows he's the baddest motherfucker on stage. And then he steps off the stage and he's the same goofball he was right before he stepped on the stage, <laughs> just like the rest of us, you know? And it's, it's really cool. And it's been just so amazing for the five of us to work together that it's only good things to come, you know? So where, where are you guys located? Uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. I thought I heard an oot in there somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love Calgary. Calgary. Is it still the great rock town that it always was? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, the classic rock acts are still really big, you know, I mean, like a lot of places that the, the new rocks acts are, are struggling to get over. Okay. I, I, uh, I always remember, like, I couldn't, when, when we'd be in Canada, touring Canada, I'm like, seeing Calgary on there was like, all right, all right. You know, it's like, there's certain places that just, uh, just bring it every time you play, you know? And so it, it, uh, yeah, I love it there. There's, I wonder if I went on an amazing go-kart track there one time too. Oh yeah. Uh, and oh, I'll bet that's still there. Yeah. Yeah. It's out, still there. Oh yeah. That outdoor track. That was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Canada Olympic park. They have the great go-kart. And, that, yeah, that, that's awesome. so cool. Sorry. Awesome. I got sidetracked. Oh, that's no, totally no, no. cool. That's I mean, you, you can get sidetracked. Say, I, I kind of want to dig into it since we got a few more minutes here. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to get an idea the sense of the, the, as you guys were coming up, the scene on the East Coast for, you know, the, the music, because a lot is made of the West Coast and, you know, and the, the Sunset Strip and everything like that. But a lot of great bands came out of the East Coast, too. Yeah, you know, we... Uh... And it's funny too, because the East Coast had had a all of a sudden it just happened, you know what I mean? With and you know, we have to thank Bon Jovi for really putting us on the map, but um as far as New Jersey goes. But when when you think even before that, like the bands that came out of New York, like the Dolls and Kiss, and then then later on Twisted Sister and and bands like that, and then you know, Bon Jovi came out and just opened the door for a lot of bands like Skid Row and bands like, you know, Trickster and, and whatnot. But even before him, not a different type of rock, but I mean, you know, New Jersey, you know, the the, the president of New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen. You know <laughs> I mean? right. and, and, and he, you know, he laid the foundation for, you know, people to really notice New Jersey as as having a music scene i mean he was on the cover of time magazine at one point and just some dude from new jersey and it just it it got new jersey on the map to uh to see that so much good music came out of new jersey and you know it's uh, new jersey new york and like you know there there's dc had in baltimore kicks out of baltimore and, and like those guys were gods to us man and mm-hmm. th- there were just so many bands um who else like white lion came out of out of new york and and uh yeah list goes on i can't even think of them all but the, especially around that time there was white lion us and then extreme up in boston um and like Philadelphia I said, we, had a few good bands coming out yeah, of there. That's right. Philly had some bands, and then you know it was just it was just really cool. And the music scene, even unsigned bands like Norman Nardini, and, and then you know, uh, 
like Richie Scarlet and the Seducers, all kinds of bands like that were just incredible, man. There was there was a band, a Rolling Stones tribute called Sticky Fingers that were so damn good. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, and um, you know, Phantom's Opera, I, I was a little younger, but that's where uh, Alec John Such came from before mm. Bon Jovi. And then uh, there was a band, uh, a tribute band called The Game. That was a tribute band to uh, tribute to Queen that some of those guys went into. The singer at the time went into. And it was like watching Queen in a 50 seat club. You know, (laughs) it was just they brought in all the lights and everything. Like You could feel the lights from the stage. It was just incredible, man. It was just incredible. It had a really great scene. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, creatively, I mean, it's got to give you kind of when you're in that scene with all these great bands i mean it's got to give you a, a real boost oh yeah absolutely you know and and you see bands doing it and it's like well that guy did it i'm gonna do it too you know not saying that they're crap and they did it it's like okay they're they're from my state and they did it they got added you know they got people to notice them and we're from jersey we're not from new york we're not from Los Angeles, you know, not out of Hollywood. We're from Jersey and we were in Tom's River, New Jersey. You know what I mean? The only thing Tom's River was known for was a chemical plant at the time. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we came out of there and um, a few like actors and actresses came out of Tom's River. And it just, it, yeah, Jersey's really cool. Like Jersey's a cool place. And I still refer to Jersey as my home, even though. Uh, I mean, we have a house there, but it's just we just kind of go up for to hang out when we want to get out of the south for a while. But, you know, Jersey's Jersey's a great place. It really is. Well, I'm glad you didn't name the band Chemical Plant and you stuck with Skid Row. That <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Tom's River Chemical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that may have uh, thrown a damper on the whole success. Business. It, it, it could have. <laughs> I'm interested. Oh, go ahead, Brett. I'm just interested because like, you know, starting out so big, you know, and selling so many albums as you guys did, like, does that put pressure on you now? Or do you think that has kind of reduced the pressure and you feel more free to do the stuff that you want to do now? Um, I, I would, I would say a little bit of both. I mean, we, the most pressure comes from within. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like I know when it comes time to, you know, get to the bare knuckles on this next record, we're going to put a ton of pressure on ourselves so, so that it's as good or better as the, the record we're about to release. Um, having the success we had. Yeah, there, there, there's pressure. I think there's more pressure to perform live and to have the right people in place than there is to uh, do anything else. But like I said, we put more pressure on ourselves than anybody does. What do you do to kind of keep yourself in shape for a live show? Cause I mean, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of, there's a lot of everything going on out there. Um, well, I've never, I mean, I've experimented when I was a kid, but I've never done drugs. So that helps a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, for me personally, I try not to overindulge in like crappy food. It, it gets hard on the road sometimes, but um, 
what we do is just try to eat what Rob Hammersmith eats because he, <laughs> he out of all of us, he is in the best shape. Well, Eric too, but Eric could, he, you know, he could eat like four hamburgers in a sitting and not gain any weight or not feel crappy, but he's only you know, 19 years old. Though. <laughs> that's true. That's right. That's right. So, but you know, we always say, yeah, what's Rob getting? Let's eat that <laughs> because he's so healthy. So, you know, that, that, that's really about it. And just try to stay active. You know, if there is a, a workout room at a hotel, just, you know, even if it, it's walking on a treadmill for a while, just to get out of the horizontal position of watching TV on your bed, you know, that it just kind of helps. These are the things you like 25 years ago, you never thought you'd be doing in order to, you know, uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I, I never minded exercising. I, I just hated to be told I had to exercise. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess, especially when you're, when you're a band of youths, you know, uh, that a gang, so to speak that, I mean, being told to do anything is probably the last thing that you really want. Yeah, it's true. Just total defiance. <laughs> how much, how much, you know, things did you feel like you had to push back on now as Skid Row in the early days? I mean, we've heard some crazy stories from other people about how the label would bring them like the video concepts that were absolutely insane. And so I'm wondering like, how much did you have to deal with that kind of thing? Um, you know, pretty much head on, uh, you know, we, uh, we would, we would get treatments for videos and, you know, some of them I'd see and I just feel like uh, this is going to be around forever. You realize <laughs> that. Right. And like one that that just got forced upon us and we had to live with is the I remember you video. Um, we were leaving for Europe. We had 24 hours to film and we were got on set at six in the morning and left at six the next morning. And we went to the airport. And I think we flew overseas, but um, yeah. And that was just like, it has to get done. That's it. This is all, all you have. This is all you got. This is all the time. This is the treatment and this is what we're doing. And uh, uh, otherwise our, our thing was no TNA in the video. You know, we mm -hmm. didn't want any of that schmaltzy, like, you know, yeah, a girl with, with her, her boobs popping out. You know what I mean? It's like everybody was doing that one. And two, we've all got mothers and sisters and nieces and stuff, <laughs> for God's sakes. You know, it's like that's not our that that wasn't our angle. And, and we we stood strong on that. And um, I think the closest thing we got to it was a silhouette of a girl dancing in, in Psycho Love. Uh, and that was it. Um, but. Most of the stuff, with the exception of Youth Gone Wild, I mean, we knew that that was mostly going to be performance, but, you know, a lot of the stuff was ideas that we had or I had, and it's still that way to this day. I mean, the, the new video we just put out, I co-directed. Oh, wow. Which was, yeah, it was really fun, man. I'd never done it, and I probably still wouldn't have if it weren't for Scotty Hill going, dude, you should direct our next video. I'm like, Yeah. He's like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. And so I came up with a treatment and we got as close as we could with, with the budget we had. And it was really fun. It was really fun. And the director, uh, Dale, he, uh, he taught me a lot. It was just like the producer conversation we were having. So I just sat back and watched. 
What is kind of the biggest change you think you've seen in the in the industry? Uh, you know, I mean, the fact that you can make music videos now for a minuscule budget compared to what it used to be, or streaming, or well, you know, yeah, just... it's the whole digital age. You know, um, the fact that oh, say you have to do a show with the flu. And it's on YouTube right after you moved on stage. <laughs> it's up there and it's up there forever. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, the digital age is the, the biggest uh, difference. Um, it, it I, I really like the old way of doing things, even though it took longer. I don't mind that. It's like the instantaneous thing drives me crazy sometimes. But you either adjust or, or get left in the dust, you know. What's the most just, of, oh, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say, it's just like us putting this uh, this interview to tape, like we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the most surreal moment of your career? Because, I mean, you had, you know, uh, I mean, I, I can only imagine. I mean, you've been on stage with legends and you've traveled all over the world. What's the most surreal moment? There's, there's a couple. Um, playing Saturday Night Live. Uh, when we went up for rehearsals, walking underneath the, the, you know, the bleachers where the crowd sits and walking through there and turning to my left and seeing Don Pardo in this little ISO booth where he does all his voiceovers from. That was really, really surreal. <laughs> uh, I look over and I see him doing his pre-records you couldn't hear him of course and i was like well god damn that's don pardo right there <laughs> and, I, and i stood there for a second and he looked over his uh music stand and i was just like oh and i waved and he winked and he continued on with the, doing what he was doing and i walked up to the stage that was very surreal um a more recent one was it we were sound checking for the first show of the uh, residency with the Scorpions at the um, at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. This is back in March, I believe. And, you know, Eric was we had just met him face to face. Like the first time we were in a room together was about four days prior to that in rehearsal. And we're on stage and the Scorpions were out doing uh, some news piece and they came, they walked down through the venue and then they walked up across the stage as we, we weren't playing yet but we were just tuning and eric was standing on his own and i turn around because scotty goes look at this look at this and i turn around look over my left shoulder and there's klaus fist bumping eric and i'm a huge <laughs> I, i'm a huge scorpions fan man like oh yeah huge scorpions fan of course and i see him and i'm like wow this is a moment i wish was caught on I, like you know it's cool that it's not on the internet, but this is a moment that should have been caught on video at least, you know, and they had a few words and classes, you know, of course he turned, he turned a corner and Scotty and I ran over like two schoolgirls, like, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And he's like, he's like, Oh, he just wished me, wish me luck. And he said that he's, he's heard my voice and, and he really likes it. And he, uh, he, he wished me luck. And I was like, dude, you know how amazing that is? And that, that was very surreal. Just that whole thing. It almost, it, it's almost like it was happening in slow motion. So Wow, that, that, that is crazy. I thought you were just going to say the Moscow Peace Festival and just say, that's it, surreal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was a, that whole thing. I'd never, I mean, because we were on the inside of it and 
I just, I don't know. Maybe I was naive. I just never pictured that being a history making event. You know, Mm -hmm. I've done interviews strictly about that. I've done uh, podcasts strictly about that. They they filmed a movie about that. I've done it for books, uh, interviews for books. And I never, ever thought in a million years there was going to be that. You know, but then I think back and I'm like, well, Doc McGee was involved. Of course, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> it, yeah, of course, it's going to be this massive thing. But I, I got to be honest, I don't think anybody that was there thought it was going to be in the history books of rock and roll. I don't I don't know how you ever could usually in the moment. I mean, unless it's like the Berlin Wall coming down or something like that. Half the time with these things, it's just like. Like, it just seems like, oh, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then the next thing, you know, it's just like. That's kind of how it was. It's like, you know, we were in New Jersey one day doing a show. And then we, uh, the plane picked us up. It started in L.A. with Motley and those guys and picked us up in, uh, it was either New Jersey or JFK in New York. And us and Bon Jovi and Cinderella. And then we flew to Germany and picked up the Scorpions. It was like this big airborne Uber (laughs) that was was going. And then, uh, yeah, then we ended up landing in Moscow. And it was just, it was crazy. It looked exactly like it looked in all the history books (laughs) in high school, you know? Amazing, amazing. Well, I will let you go soon, but uh, but I just want. Oh to yeah, know, like, four minutes late for my two fifteen. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, in that case, um, um, just just quick thoughts on the uh, on doing the um, the residency with the Scorpions. Oh, it was amazing. You know, it, it for that to happen at at the time it happened, it was a it was a completely different experience because we were there for three weeks, and mm. you know. Um, we, we'd never done anything like that before. So it, it was fun, man. And to be playing with a band that you love and respect so much was, it was a phenomenal experience. And, and actually Eric and Mickey D are close, you know, they played hockey together and they're two, two Swedes, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- those guys are close and uh, yeah, we hope to do more shows with them someday. It was great. I'm Danish, so I usually don't say good things about the Swedes, but you, you gotta you gotta find find an Eric. I, you know, I can't wait to hear the whole album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you guys are gonna dig it. If you like what you heard so far, I think you're really gonna dig it. Well, that's oh. awesome. We're we're gonna say we're big fans. We've been. I remember seeing you open for Bon Jovi. That was the PG rated version of Skid Row, and then seeing you open for Aerosmith. The R rated version came out that night, and uh, <laughs> that's we're right. both great both great shows and we've been fans you know for a long long time we want to give you the chance here to uh to promote yourself and the album and everything that you have coming up thank you so much um yeah i mean gang's all here october 14th it's one of our proudest moments without a doubt you know um all five of us and and we're just so psyched and, uh, about the reaction to the song so far and at the shows. And, you know, things uh, things are going really well for Skid Row. And for like everyone's been saying, Skid Row is back. Well, and that's amazing. I mean, you know, it, you guys deserve it. You've been fighting the good fight for a long time. And I'm really happy for you to that you've that you've kind of found your groove again. You know how Skid Row got their groove back. But uh, 
<laughs> and we didn't have to go to an island. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel, um, we have appreciated you having you on the show so very much. And uh, and I know that we wish nothing but the best for you in the future. And uh, hope that Skid Row just, uh, you know, goes goes off Skid Row and uh, Park Avenue. But uh, <laughs> hey, did they come to Calgary again? That's right. Exactly. Yes, Get back man. here. We would love to. When when is this going to be aired? Uh, probably. Uh, what do you think, Martin? Uh, I mean, will it be October? Yes, it'll be October for sure. Yeah. Can, can I plug something real quick? Please do. Yeah. Okay, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and my good friend Paul Taylor is the Tennessee ambassador for Real Men Wear Pink. And if you can donate, you can go to the story on my Instagram, official Rachel Ball on Instagram, and donate there. We would really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, a wonderful cause, absolutely. And a wonderful guest. Rachel, thank you so much. And like I say, we wish you nothing but the best. And uh, and we will talk to you again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Guys. <laughs> right on. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thanks, Bye fellas. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. Show one.